Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Welcome back to the Brain Care Podcast. Dr. Russell Kennedy joins us once again. In the last episode, we unpack what was wrong about how we approach treating anxiety. Now, this time, we're going to focus hopefully more positively, on a new way to heal anxiety. So, Russ, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Dan. Right, so let's just get into it. What is the new way to heal anxiety, according to the school of Dr. Kennedy? Well, you know, I got very frustrated with traditional therapies in my own anxiety. I grew up with a schizophrenic father. I grew up with a lot of chaos. So I grew up with this alarm sense in my body. And that just reflected in my mind. So my thoughts would be reflective of whatever my body was feeling. So I didn't grow up in a war zone by any means at all, but there was a lot of uncertainty. I didn't know what my father was going to do. So my body was always in this sort of state of, you know, kind of fight or flight. And then what happens is your brain, it's constantly reading your internal and external environment so you have what's called interoception, which is this feeling of what's, what's inside of you, and then extraoception, which is what's going on outside of me. So your brain's constantly trying to make sense of your world. Now, if your body is alarmed, you kind of look through the world with these red colored glasses. So anything that's alarming, you'll pick up or you'll focus on. And then, of course, whatever you focus on, so a tenant of neuroscience, whatever you focus on, you get more of. So you just get more and more alarm. You get more and more alarming thoughts. And then slowly, it kind of takes over your psyche. So with the way that I deal with anxiety is I find the source of the alarm. A lot of times, I look in your body. A lot of times, I'll go back into a trauma in your childhood or some PTSD if you've had an accident or something like that. And then I'll find it in your body. And then that's where we'll focus on the healing. Because if we can, that's the source of the anxiety. If we can find the source and start treating the source, it's a lot easier than just trying to treat the, the byproduct, which is basically the thoughts of the mind. So quickly, I'll just say, it's like having a hole in a rowboat. So you're in a rowboat, it's filling up with water. You can bail that water out, which is kind of like doing therapy, talk therapy, that kind of thing, CBT. But unless you fix the hole in the boat, you're never really going to get free of the anxiety. So my approach is to find the alarm in the body. I also use the mind as well, but it's finding the alarm in the body, finding the source of that. You know, a lot of people have had, you know, divorce in their family. They were sick when they were younger. They had a very traumatic birth or their mother was separated from them just after birth. There's a lot of things that your autonomic nervous system just imprints into you that we have to sort of move along and move up. And so this we can see it. And if we can see it, we can start doing something about it. But if we just focus on healing the mind when the problem is in the body, it's like sending the fire trucks to First Street when the fire is on Second Street. You're not really going to help it. Russ, what kind of experience have you had then with patients that you can talk about where, you know, that there is evidence to this new way actually having an impact and working? Obviously, you don't need to use names and stuff, but, you know, paint the picture for us. Yeah, I mean, well, basically, I get emails from people every day. This is what I hear a lot. I've been in therapy for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and I've learned more from you in the last 90 minutes than I have in the last 15 years of therapy. 
Because in therapy, basically, they're just trying to figure things out. I get people to feel things out. So we go into a process where, I, yeah, I'll take your history. I'll find that, you know, your parents divorced when you were six or you were in an incubator for the first month of your life or whatever. And then we'll find that in your body. And once we find it in your body, we really go, like I go into, you've heard me work on, on Clubhouse. You know, it's like, I'll find it. And it's like, well, is it well circumscribed? Is it like a potato or is it kind of amorphous like a jellyfish? Does it radiate down into your stomach or up into your throat? Does it have a color? Does it have a texture? You know, just really focusing on that sense of alarm because the more we can bring it up to the surface, the more we can move it around and heal it because a lot of these, the problems is these things are implicit memories. They're unconscious. They were put into us when we were children. And then we develop what's called defensive accommodations, which is how we get our needs met when we aren't getting our needs met as children. So some people will become manipulative. Some people will become people pleasers. Some people will just become so focused on their, their own body that they'll get health anxiety. And then the parent will have to help them because they're so, they're so worried. So it's a way of getting our needs met through these defensive accommodations. And worry is a defensive accommodation too. So what happens is we, we use these defensive accommodations and then by the time we get to our late 20s, early 30s or whatever, you know, we go through our first divorce because we've, our starter marriage is kind of broken down. That's when people come to me and then we focus on, okay, let's bring this alarm up. You know, like I was talking to a girl the other day who had a trauma uh, when she was a, like a cheerleader. She missed the cheerleading Thing. It's like, and Brene Brown has the same same kind of thing. And in one of her books, she talks about uh, not being accepted in this, this cheer group, and just the pain. And I said, well, where do you feel that? You know, it's like, well, you know, it's kind of in my solar plexus. And then we go through the whole thing, and then we kind of get her just to feel with it. And then, and this is where it gets a little flaky. This is where Dr. Kennedy starts to sort of move away from medicine a little bit. I believe that that alarm is our younger self. It's asking for our attention. So if we don't give it our attention, if we distract into like shopping or the internet or whatever we distract into, our addictions, we go into our addictions, we never actually deal with that alarm. We never actually connect with that child in us that's really, you know, holding their hands up to us, asking for our attention. Because the way I see it is that that little child in us is like holding their hands up, looking for us to come through and help them. But the problem, what they're doing is they're creating all this alarm. So naturally what human beings do is when they feel the alarm, they feel it, they go, I'm not going into that. That's just too painful. And what we do is we go up into our heads and then we just start explaining and then we get trapped in our heads and then we never actually go back down into the body where the problem actually resides. So if you never actually go and get in touch with the the actual issue, the source of the problem, you're always going to be chasing your mind. So we stay up in our heads, we worry, we ruminate, because that keeps us out of this pain that we've sequestered in our body that usually comes from unresolved childhood trauma. And, you, and that's where most anxiety, which is really alarm, that's where it originates from. So you have to get both. You have to deal with the body as well as the mind. Where did you get the instinct for all of this from? Basically where it came from was LSD. So around 2013, I ruptured my left Achilles tendon and that was kind of like the straw that broke the doctor's back at that point. So I got out of medicine at that point. I was, I was burned out for probably five years before that. And I, I became 
close to suicidal. I don't know if I was actually suicidal, but I'd be glad that there was no bridges around where I was. And um, a friend of mine who's an Ayurvedic doctor said, you know, we should maybe consider the psychedelics for you, you know, just to see because you're clearly, you know, you're not getting help in traditional ways. So I did LSD. And a year later, I did ayahuasca. And basically what I... what it, Sorry, can I just ask, was this in a therapy-assisted? Uh, therapy yeah, or, yeah. Okay. it wasn't just like, hey, you know what, this afternoon, I it's got nothing else to do. No, he, he's a very... Um, the, the person I, I did it with is a very adept plant biologist, Ayurvedic doctor, and very familiar with, with how to do this. So he took me through this process. I was in my own house, but he took me through this process. And basically what I saw was that my anxiety was not in my mind at all. It was actually in my solar plexus. And actually, I could see it in it. I could see it. It was purple. It was sharp. It was crystalline. There was these crystals pushing up. It was pushing up against my heart. It goes up into my throat. It radiates into my back. And it's hot. So I saw this. And then when I sort of came out of it, I kind of realized that, hey, what if I start looking in my body as opposed to trying to fix this with just fixing my thoughts? Because that wasn't really helping. Now, it did take me like two years after all this. It wasn't like, hallelujah, thank you, God. You know, I found I found healing. Um, it took me about two years to put all this stuff together because I was a mess for about two years. But I, things slowly started to get put together. And then I st- started having focusing on this area and then sort of having flashbacks to being a child, having flashbacks to watching my dad being taken away to the hospital and the crazy, anyone who's sort of grown up with a bipolar parent knows the crazy eyes. You know, it's just how destabilizing that is for a child. And so I started having all this stuff. So I thought, well, what if I could bring this up? What if I could sort of really start to, and then fully accept it? I think that was the other really important part of my healing was just accepting myself as someone who was anxious because there's so much stigma attached to it. And uh, I really came up with a lot of things. Like one of the things that I tell myself all the time is, are you safe in this moment? Like, are you safe in this moment that you're in right now? And I use that basically at night when I wake up and I'm completely panicked. I know you're completely worried that this is going to happen or that's going to happen or your, your bowels are going to explode or whatever it is this week, that whatever health thing you have this week. But are you safe in this moment? Like right now in this moment, are you safe? Because I think a lot of us with anxiety, we go from trauma to trauma to trauma, and we never actually show ourselves that we're safe. So the little example that I use is I had a patient who was worried about a plane trip. So for a month, he was just paranoid about this plane trip. And then, and then the plane lands safely, and then he has, he's got this dental procedure that comes up like six weeks after that. So then he focuses on the dental procedure. It's like, well, this is going to be ter-. So it's like we go from this unconsciously, we just pick trauma to trauma to trauma, and we never unconsciously feel that we're safe. So it's really important to kind of tell yourself, hey, a number of times a day, right now, looking around this room, like even people listen to this, like, are you safe in this moment? And really just put your hand on your chest and really feel the fact that you're safe. Because so often, when we were younger, it wasn't safe to let our guard down. There was chaos in our household. So we learned that we always had to be this vigilant. So if your body's vigilant all the time, your mind will be vigilant too. So it's really, you know, it's really settling the body. And I, you know, I'm a yoga and meditation teacher too. And I find yoga is is wonderful as well. But I, I don't want to be one of these, like you just, oh, all you have to do is like move your body and be centered in your body. It's not as simple as that. We do have to bring up these old traumas. We do have to find the old wounds and bring them up in this sort of titrated way and then sort of resolve them. 
you know, take the stigma, the self-stigma away from we when we judge, abandon, blame, and shame ourselves, what I call jabs. We do this to ourselves. And when we jab ourselves like that, take jabs at ourselves, we can't heal because we're always off balance. We never get that chance of just settling in our body. So it takes a while, but usually when people find the right path, they feel empowered. And one of the worst things about anxiety is just feeling completely disempowered, not knowing when it's going to end and being a slave to it. So once you have some agency over it, it provides a tremendous amount of relief for people knowing that they can do something that helps them and they don't have to sort of take medication or whatever. That was beautiful. It's actually my penultimate question here, which is, um, what do you think the pushback is likely to be as your ideas come a bit more mainstream? Do you think there's going to be more pushback in the scientific or professional community around this? I think there probably will be. I think they're, they're starting, you know, psychiatrists are starting to accept ketamine. They're starting to accept, you know, psychedelics in therapy. Some psychiatrists are starting to accept a more somatic approach, you know, bring into, okay, where do you feel that in your body? Where where can, can we get into that feeling? Can we just sort of sit with that feeling? Can we get to tolerate that feeling without automatically, relentlessly going into your thoughts? Psychiatrists have a very difficult job because they typically get the worst patients, the patients with the, with the most severe illness. But I do think that we, we treat, medication, treat with medication probably too often. And when I work with people, if someone's pretty medicated, it's really hard for me to get into their alarm. So not that I can't do it, but it does help if they're not got a lot of medicine on board. But I think in our society, we, we try and treat symptoms. And I think psychiatrists have so many people to see that I think just treating it in a pharmaceutical way, it's probably the best way for them. But for me, I mean, I take, you know, an hour and a half, two hours with people, because I don't find that you really connect with people until you get into the first, you know, probably hour anyway. We have to change the way that we're looking at at healing specifically anxiety, but a lot of different mental illnesses by taking a more body-centered approach because the body is what holds the source of a lot of these mental illnesses or what we call them. Amazing, Russ. Thank you so much for your time. And just to re-clarify, people can find you at the Anxiety MD on Instagram and they can get your book Anxiety RX anywhere, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Amazon is a real popular place for it. Amazing. Thanks so much, mate. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you a lot. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Heights started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So, for weekly science-backed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next week. Mm -hmm.